Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Because God designed us that if we obey the order that He has established, things will go well. And conversely, if we don't obey those things that God has in order, the result will always be chaos and heartache and problems. That's just the way it is. When we rebel against God's order, there's a reason for that order. And it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's simply a role that God knows in His omniscience. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter tells us that we should follow God's order even in our relationships between husbands and wives. As we learned before, God is a God of order, and His plan for husbands and wives is documented for us in the book of Genesis chapter 2, when God made man and woman to become one flesh. God began marriage between one man and one woman, and all through the Bible, he reminds us of the role these two play within the marriage. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, and follow along with Pastor Rob. 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, within the natural heart of man, there's this propensity to rebel against authority. And whether it's governmental authority, and we looked at that a couple weeks ago in in chapter 2, verse 13, or whether it's through a master-servant or an employer-employee relationship. We saw that last week as we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, or within the order that God has established in marriage between a husband and wife. There's always this rub against authority. There's always this challenge to authority, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the first seven verses of First Peter chapter 3. And ladies, this is going to be kind of difficult on you this morning, but trust me, the guys, are um, they're not off the hook. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get to them this, uh, later on toward the end, but there'll be another time that we'll get on the guy's case. But um, but we'll certainly, because uh, we both need to grow, and we both need to understand each other, and we need to uh, submit to God's order of things. Because God designed us that if we obey the order that he has established, things will go well. And conversely, if we don't obey those things that God has in order, the result will always be chaos and heartache and problems. That's just the way it is. When we rebel against God's order, there's a reason for that order. And it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's simply a role that God knows in his omniscience that we need to submit to. And every one of us is accountable, aren't we? 
We're accountable to God first. And we're accountable, if you're married, you're accountable to your, to your spouse. And most of us are employed. If you're employed, you're accountable to your employer. There's all kinds of accountability around us. And even in our military, there is accountability, there's rank, there's order, and it's there for a reason. And when we buck against that, and when we strive and fuss against that and try to make our own rules, it creates more problems. And and that's the the, the way our culture is right now. As a result of the the fighting against this order, we have created a, a monster in our culture. And it's not just what we're talking about today. There are many facets to this thing. There are many problems, and it's all because of disobedience and rebellion. And God takes that very seriously. And one day we will answer for how we submitted to God's authority. And when he has an authority, we submit to him. And we submit to those powers that he has placed in our lives. That's why as Christians, we don't, we don't fight against the government. We may not approve of everything they do. We may not like the things that they do. But God says, obey them as long as, you know, as lies within you. As long as, uh, you know, they're not telling you to do something that's illegal or against God's clear written word, obey them. You know, if they're to tell me that I can't have, you know, uh, if my wife gets pregnant and they come and say, well, you can't have a second child like they do in China. You have to abort that baby. I'm going to say no. <laughs> Take me to jail. The baby lives right? Because there's a higher thing here, God's order. He says, choose life, right? Choose life, and thou shalt not kill. So we're not a threat to the government. We're actually a, a friend, at least from our end. We, wanna, we, we do well, don't we? And it makes their job a lot easier. If this whole country was filled with Christians who were doing the right thing and submitting and being orderly, There'd be no need for police officers. They'd have, have more money to um, build, build buildings with some governor's name on it. <laughs> but the order is very important. In this, these seven verses this morning, there's really two themes that are prevalent. One is a submission of a wife to a husband in the context of winning his heart to Christ. If he's an unbeliever, if he's an unbeliever, submission of a wife to a husband in the context of winning him to Christ. And the second is the adorning and being a gentle and quiet spirit. And this takes precedence over the outward appearance. So there's a gentleness, there's a quiet spirit, there's something inside of a woman, a Christian woman, that she ought to foster. And, and let that be the thing that's seen more than anything, more so than the gold and the jewels and all the makeup and all that stuff. Not that that's bad, necessarily, in and of itself. But it's so important that the inside of a Christian woman, Christian wife, shows forth. That is the most precious thing in God's sight. So let's look at it. Let's just read the verses together. It says, wives, and again, he's bringing verse or chapter 3 here on the cusp of what we've already talked about in the last two weeks, the submission to government and then submission to masters. And now he says, submission to husbands. He says, wives. Be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. And then, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair and wearing gold or putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be of the hidden person of the heart 
with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And then finally he says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So we get into verse 1 here. It says, Wives, likewise, be submissive. Now this word, if you remember, we've been kind of talking about this for the last three weeks. You'll notice in uh, verse 13 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, submit yourselves. The same word. And then in verse 18 of chapter 2, Servants, be submissive. And now in chapter 3 here, Wives, likewise, be submissive. Remember, this word is hypotasso, which is a Greek word, and it means to arrange under or to be subordinate to, to fall in line behind. It's a military term. To fall in line like troops who fall behind their commander as they go forward, right? And we see this, and we also see it in the very fifth chapter of this very epistle that we're reading this morning, in chapter 5, verse 5. You know, Peter wraps it up and he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves. There it is, the word, the word again. Submit yourselves. Put yourself behind the authority that God has placed in your life, i.e. your parents. Submit yourselves. And this same word, submissive, as what we've just read, are in the verses below. Now, I'm just going to give you some references. I would encourage you to just write them down, the references, okay? And I'm just going to read them for the sake of time. But it's in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 18 through 25. Colossians 3, verse 18 through 25. It says this. And in fact, this is the same word that we've been looking at. He says, wives, Paul speaking to the Colossians, submit. There's our word again. Same exact Greek word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Notice, as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And fathers, don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And then in verse 22, bondservants, obey all things your masters to your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of the heart, fearing God. And here it is. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. No partiality. God is not going to look upon one or the other and, and let you off on a curve. He treats everyone the same. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, 22 through 24, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, Paul again says the same thing. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Notice, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Ladies, you need to be submissive to your husband. As to the Lord. As to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, Paul speaking to this very immature church that he was speaking to, the Corinthians, he said, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. 
The head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So you notice there's an order here clearly in the Scripture, and that is God the Father. He is the one that we're ultimately going to answer to. And then under him, Jesus Christ, equal to God the Father, but we submit ourselves to him. And then underneath that is the church, us, the husbands, the wives, the men and the women. And then under that is the children. And you can see the, the, how this thing is built. Everyone is to be submitted to the one above it. So children, be obedient and submissive to your parents. Husbands and wives, the church, be submitted. Husband and wife, be submitted. Wives, be submitted to the husband. And then the both of you comprising the church, be submitted to Jesus Christ, who has always done those things that please the Father. He was submitted to him in every detail. And so the wives, to be submissive. And ladies, this has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with your abilities. It simply has to do with God's order. Obviously, if your husband is, is doing something and is forcing you to commit a crime or to do something that is wrong or illegal, you ought not to obey, obey him and submit to him in those things. But in everything else, yes. And you know, you may not like the decisions that he makes. You may not like the direction that he is taking the family. And hopefully, if he's a spirit-filled man, he's going to listen to his wife. I listen to my wife. Two are better than one. She's much smarter. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. (laughs) She's much smarter than I am, and I'm not kidding when I say that. I mean it. (laughs) But she is. But I listen to her, and then ultimately the decision is mine. And sometimes we may we may differ, and then I, you know, she has to submit to me. And I don't do it as a some kind of male macho thing that is so prevalent in our culture. You know, I'm man. You got to submit to me. You know, what kind of that, that guy needs to go to the woodshed. God needs to take him to the woodshed and say, remember, you're nothing. You be kind to her. She's my daughter, <laughs> right? So, ladies, hopefully if a man is spirit-filled, he's going to listen to you. And hopefully there will be discussions, that things won't just be, decisions won't be made in a vacuum. But men, you will have to make that decision, and ultimately the decision is yours, and you will stand before God on your own for the decisions that you've made. You'd better listen to your wife. God even told Abraham on a couple times, Abraham, listen to your wife in this instance. Listen to her. Take her opinion into account. Don't just be a pig. Can I use that term? Don't be a pig. The Lord will deal with your husband. And by the way, he, the Holy Spirit does a much better job to let your husband know if he's gone in a, in a wrong direction. And, um, you know, it is my opinion in our culture The husband and men in general have abdicated or given up their role and responsibility to their wives and to women. And we see it in our culture all over the place. And ladies are now making all the decisions and often putting down their husbands when he tries to enter that arena. But not all. Not all of them do this, but some of them do. And most of them are unsaved women. And hopefully none of the ladies in here. Right? But but these things happen. Instead of being the leader, the man or the husband, he just succumbs to the cultural stereotype and he submits to his wife rather than the other way around. And this is further propagated, unfortunately, by sitcoms, movies, media that portray men as dumb and unattached, aloof, lacking intelligence, subhuman, only concerned about their pickup trucks, their motorcycles, their hobbies, food, football, and sports and sex. That's the stereotype. Is it true? I believe it is. If you've lived in this culture long enough, that is what is being portrayed. Men are just a bunch of bumbling idiots. 
And in the absence of any real leadership, a woman will naturally step up. Remember Deborah in the book of Judges? Where was the man? Where was the man? And God used a woman. He says, well, I can't find a man, so I'm going to use a woman. It's not my order. It's not the right thing. But you know what? I'm going to get it done anyway. And so, men, this is important that we step up to the plate. You know, and we've been, to use this term as delicate term here, but we've been emasculated in our culture. The men have. We've been removed from power, from authority. We've given it up. We've gladly abdicated it. But in God's order, he made man first and then woman. And this is not male chauvinism, folks, because God is not a chauvinist. God is not partial. He's not bigoted like fallen man is. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. It goes right back to the beginning. We can see the, the beginnings of this right back in the book of Genesis. When Adam was first created, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 18 specifically, and then verses 21 through 23. And these, just prior to these verses that we're going to look, just prior to verse 18 here, God gave the commandment concerning the, the knowledge, the, the eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, Eve wasn't around yet. And God told him, Adam, you can eat anything in the tree of the garden. I'm sure there are plenty of fruits, but this tree you have to stay away from. And it is simple obedience. You got all this other stuff. It's all good. But this one I need you to stay away from. And whenever you tell a child one thing to stay away from, that is the thing they're going to go toward, right? (laughs) Stay away from that pudding. Stay away from that lollipop. It belongs to daddy, <laughs> right? But notice in, in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, and it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. And notice, I will make him a helper comparable to him. The idea there is an aid. The word helper is literally easer. This is where we get that word Ebenezer. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, Ebenezer literally means a stone of help, but Ezer by itself is just a help. God made woman to be a help to the man. He needs help. Everyone needs help, but a man needs help. He needs someone to stand by him, to be with him through thick and thin, to not be chiding against him all the time, to be one with him, to be submitted to him, to lift him up when he's discouraged to help him. And I tell you what, that role is so significant, so significant, ladies. You have no idea how important that role is. And it's not a role that the world will applaud. You will not get any accolades for being biblical in your marriage or being biblical in our culture. No one's going to um, pat you on the back. They're going to look at you and go, you could be CEO of this thing. Why are you submitting to him? You should run, just run over this guy. He's, a, he's nothing. He's no good. He's done nothing. But a godly woman will say, you know what? I'm going to pray for him, and I'm going to submit to him, and I'm going to give him the opportunity to grow in this authority. And sometimes that needs to happen. Sometimes the authority is already there, and man has the authority, and he's, he's doing well, but his wife rejects it. She's always bristling against it. And other times, a man is weak and he needs to be lifted up. And sometimes, ladies, you just have to let it flop on the ground, whatever it is, and wait for him and pray for him and just say, you know what, this is not getting done, but I know my husband's supposed to do it, so I'm just going to, not in a bad way, but I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to try and overstep my bounds. I'm just going to let God deal with this, and he will. 
God will deal with it. And the man will invariably step up. And ladies, that's the hard thing for you to do. It's hard for anyone, honestly. But notice in verse 21 of Genesis 2, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Praise God, a nap. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, notice, and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib, which he, the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The word woman literally means woe man. Woe was taken from man. Taken from man. That's what woman means. From man. You can already see the order. There was man, Adam, and then woman, a helpmeet for Adam. And notice now, after this, we know that uh, Eve was deceived by the serpent, and she gave of the fruit to her husband. And notice in the next verse, uh, and we're looking at Genesis now in chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. You know, God didn't call the woman to task first after this lack of obedience. He called Adam to task. Because Adam is the head, and he called Adam to task. Notice verse 8 of Genesis 3. And they heard, they, Adam and Eve, after the fall, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said, Where are you? And it's not like God didn't know where Adam was. God knew exactly what, where Adam was and what he had just done, what they had just done. He wasn't asking for information. He was drawing him out. And notice that God didn't go to the serpent first because the serpent was the one who deceived Eve. He didn't go to the serpent first. He went to Adam because the commandment to not eat of the tree was given to Adam in Genesis 2, verse 15 through 17. And even though the serpent deceived Eve, Adam, whom God placed headship upon, was held responsible. Adam was held responsible for all of this. In verse 10, he says, So he said, Adam, replying to God, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. Notice, underline that word. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Underline that word too. I had you underline those two words because write down a verse and you can look at it later, but Matthew 25, verse 25. Because whenever you are afraid and you're hiding, sin is at the door or has already been committed. Because the lack of sin is you're not afraid and you're not hiding. But the result of sin is always fear, and it's always hiding from what you've done. And he said, verse 11, who told you that you were naked? God says, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then the man said, and here's the the first lesson of passing the buck. This is where it first started right here. And the man said, well, it's the woman you gave me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And she passes the buck too. The woman said, well, it's the serpent. <laughs> he deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, ultimately between Satan and ultimately between Jesus Christ. He shall bruise your head. Satan's going to bruise the head of the Savior, but the Savior is going to crush his heel. That's literally what it means. He's going to crush him. He's going to crush him. Jesus is going to crush him, ultimately. He has already, but there's coming a day when it's going to be done. So ladies, just because you may be capable, it doesn't mean that you should take that role. 
Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 again. So to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. And notice what he says here. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. This desire can mean a, n- a number of things. The, the, the Hebrew word... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.